cr101radio.com, podcasts, and more. Let's take your Bibles and turn to the first chapter of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1. I believe the plan is for me to fill in this week and next. Um, So although this will kind of act as an introduction in ways to Proverbs, that's not actually going to have us going into the book for very long. Um, I'm hoping that this will um, be a help to us. Um, for those of us who were at the, um, the evangelistic outreach last time, a lot of this will be familiar to you because it's what we talked about um, that last Saturday we did that. But um, as you're turning there before we begin, one thing that I've learned particularly in the last year for at many different times and for many different reasons, is that for basically my whole life, I've been, a, I've been a fool. And that's something that the book of Proverbs is the remedy for. And it's something that I'm hoping that going through this this week and next week will be helpful for you, is that you'll jump on the train with me, realizing that and seeking wisdom for real. Not, not as though that I've, I've never had an ounce of wisdom, thankfully, by the grace of God, but it's something that we have to seek for, to get after. And that's what this book is for. And we look at the introduction here, we're going to see that, and we'll see it many other places in the book as well, as we talk about it this week and next week. But you need wisdom, and that's what our, our discussion this morning will be. So look at the first, we're going to look at the, verse seven, the first seven verses of the first chapter of Proverbs to realize um, what we are, what we need, and where, what we should be seeking after, where we're going. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 1, 1 through 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, And the man of understanding will acquire wise counsel to understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. That's where we'll stop our reading. So the book of Proverbs, right? Here's the introduction to it, what it is, what the purpose is of it, and what we're to do. Uh, Right there in the first verse, we have what the book is. The book of Proverbs, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. Okay, what are Proverbs? Proverbs um, is a word that are, is used not only for things in the Bible, but for things outside. They are a culture's, typically a culture's wise sayings. Um, and here we have the inspired word of God, his wise sayings. In general, in the book of Proverbs, they are brief, pithy sayings of wisdom generally short sayings, kind of one-liners, most of them are, um, that provide principles for living, how to live a life that's, that's pleasing to God. The Proverbs teach us how to think and how to behave in a way that's wise in various situations in life. As you all know, and, and the more you live, the more you realize how complex life can be in, in its scenarios and things like that. And wisdom is teaching you how to navigate that in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. Most of the book of Proverbs, as I said, are short one-liners. You know, for example, here's one I'm sure you all know. 
Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. There's a big, there's a one line right there that teaches you wisdom with regard to child rearing and, and discipline, something to meditate on, to learn from. There's many like that that discuss that topic of raising children. Sometimes, though, in the Proverbs, you do have longer sections. For example, the entire chapter 7 is warning against being ensnared in adultery. That whole chapter is as wisdom and how to avoid that. So the Proverbs are sayings of wisdom. They're about how to get wisdom. And that's, that's so important. That's what we're going to be uh, exploring this week and next. Look at, look at verse 2, the purpose of the Proverbs. So we know what they are. They, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. By and large, there are some Proverbs written by other authors as well in this book. But we have here in verse 2, it's to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding. Okay, so verse 2 here is, is a parallelism. Okay, a parallelism. And what that is is that basically both lines are getting at the same idea. Okay, Knowing wisdom and instruction is essentially the same as discerning the sayings of understanding. Okay, We're not going to try to divide it up and, and try to figure out what's the difference between a saying of understanding and instruction and wisdom. The point is, is that we're going to learn these things from the book of Proverbs. Okay, We need to know wisdom and instruction. Okay, We need to know Receive, we need to discern the sayings of understanding. So what do we need to learn? What do we need to learn? What do we need to be instructed in? Verse 3 tells us that. To receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. So wise behavior is the first thing there. Wise behavior or wise dealings, some translations may render that. That, that is we need to learn how to, how to order our lives in a wise way. We need to learn wise behavior. How can we live the kind of life that we're supposed to live is the question that we need to answer. The one that, that God wants us to live. How are we supposed to live that way? How, do we know, how can we make good decisions in our life? Decisions that are pleasing to the Lord and not foolish ones, but wise ones. How can we learn not to mess everything up in the decisions that we make? How can I know the right course of action to take in my certain situation? How can I live a successful life in the eyes of God? Now, it's important when I say a successful life that you understand what I mean. When people say, that guy, he's real successful, what they typically mean is he's successful in business. That's not what I mean. I don't mean simply he's successful in business, but successful in life. And how do I gauge that? based upon if it's pleasing to the Lord. A life is successful if it's one that is pleasing to the Lord, that you are living in a wise way. You've learned wise behavior. And that's what, uh, that's what we're supposed to learn from the Proverbs, we're told. That we're supposed to live a life that's successful, not foolish, not one where we're messing everything up everywhere we turn because of our own foolishness, but one where we've learned wisdom, we know the right course of action because we've gained wisdom from God. We have to ask ourselves the question, when we're, when, to learn wisdom, what does God's word have to say about my situation, right? How can, I, how can I apply God's word in my life right now? This is how we gain wisdom. If we want to know the right course of action, we have to consult the word of God and learn, and learn how to apply it to our lives. It's real easy to say, well, you need, to, you need to know what God's word says, but it's another thing to actually be able to discern it and apply it to your given situation. And that's, that takes wisdom. It's not merely a knowledge of the content of the Bible, but knowing what it means and how to apply it 
to your life? Do you ask yourself the question first to start with, what does God's word say about my situation? Or do you just do whatever seems best to you in the moment? Or even if you take time to think about it, do you just think about it based, leaning on your own understanding? Or do you say, well, what does God have to say about this situation? It's so complicated, though. Yes, what does God's word have to say about your complicated situation? All right, what's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. And all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths or make straight your paths. See, we can't just say, what do I think is best in this situation? Or ask people what they think is best in the situation if they're not consulting God's word either. It's a couple people leaning on their own understanding is no better, right? We need to go on God's word. So we're, we're supposed to learn from the Proverbs how to instruction in, in wise behavior and wise dealing. But also it says in verse 3, in righteousness, justice, and equity. And those three words really are getting at essentially the same things as well. It's there for emphasis, righteousness, justice, and equity. Gaining wisdom from God teaches us how to live right, how to live righteously, a way that's pleasing to God. How can I live in a righteous manner in the eyes of God? Wisdom is going to teach us that. Wisdom teaches, how to deal, teaches us how to deal fairly with other people, how to discern right from wrong when things are complicated, how to discern good from evil in particular situations. The Proverbs, Proverbs 2, 9 and 10 says this, that when you get wisdom, it says, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. See, once you get wisdom, then you'll understand these things, righteousness, justice, and equity. It'll come into your heart. You'll understand the right, the good path. We'll understand how to live righteously, even in complex scenarios in life. You ever been at your wit's end? This is so complicated, I don't know what to do about this. Or what do I, what do I think about this in, in certain situations? What do we do? Right, there's a lot, lots of questions. I'm going to give you some, some ideas. Some of these things you might know. Some of these things you might not know. What's the Bible say? How are we supposed to live? How are we supposed to think about things like this? What does the Bible say about in vitro fertilization? Right? What do we do with that? Does the Bible have a verse on in vitro fertilization? No, not particularly. So how do we take the principles of God's word and apply it to a situation like that with modern technology? What's the Bible say about divorce and remarriage? That can get complicated fast. What about two unbelievers get married and then one becomes a believer? What do you do in that situation? Who, who is to receive charity from us? Who do we give to? That can get complicated too. Is it ever okay to lie to authorities to save someone's life, like hiding Jews in World War II from the Nazis? Or that Rahab hiding the spies from in Jericho? What do we do with, um, what's the Bible say about rules of warfare? When can a nation engage in war? What about, can Christians be friends with unbelievers, in what sense, in what way? What's the Bible say about that? What's the Bible say about raising children? How are we supposed to discipline? What's God's word say about the role of men and women in different scenarios? What about buying from businesses that support wicked things like abortion or LGBT things? What do we do about that? What do we think about that? People raise those types of questions. What if somebody keeps sinning against me over and over and over and over and over again, and they repent, do I still have to forgive them? Really? Do I really have to forgive them? Right? What do we do 
in situations that are complicated, that people raise questions. What do we do about this? What about that? They, the, the way we can figure this out is to get wisdom. Now, of course, I'm speaking very generally here, but this is the answer, is to get wisdom so we can know every good path, so we can know what to think and what to do with these things. What do we make of them? We need wisdom from God and how to apply his word to scenarios that the Bible doesn't, direct, doesn't address directly. Now, some of the things that I brought up, it does address directly. So you have to know the scripture. Some of them, it doesn't. You have to take principles from the word and apply them to situations, right? So we have to gain wisdom if we're going to understand how to live our lives successfully, righteously, in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. Even with complex, modern technology situations, the Bible does indeed address these things, and we have to learn how to apply it. So looking at uh, verse 4, we saw from verse 3, we're supposed to learn wise behavior and how to live righteously from wisdom from the book of Proverbs. And verse 4 says who it's for. Verse 4 is who it's for. To give prudence to the naive and to the youth knowledge and discretion. Give prudence to the naive and to the youth, knowledge and discretion. Prudence. What's prudence? Prudence refers to being shrewd and crafty, but in a godly way. It's an interesting term, to be shrewd and crafty, but in a godly way. Jesus told us this in Matthew 10, 16. He says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. Some will translate that wise as serpents. Could even be prudent as serpents and innocent as doves. We're supposed to be shrewd, crafty, clever, smart, discretion, having discretion, having discernment, awareness. We need to learn what to do in difficult situations, how to handle things in a clever way. Jesus did that, didn't he, with his opponents? He knew how to answer them in certain situations too. So if they were trying to trap him in his words, right, he would cleverly maybe turn it back on them or or get out of that situation with with his wisdom, with his shrewdness, with his godly craftiness, his cleverness, right? Jesus sometimes would would ask them questions that they couldn't answer. Uh, They would ask him questions and he would answer them, have the right answer, answers that would just shut their mouths. But then he would ask them questions where, well, they couldn't answer. And it says, they wouldn't ask him any more questions after that, right? He was so clever, so crafty that uh, he could shut them up by his wisdom. And that sometimes that's some of the things we need to learn how to do. What do I, how do I handle this situation in a way that's, that's really, that's clever, that's prudent, that's wise? Not, not in an evil way, but in a godly way, like Jesus says as our example. Or when the Apostle Paul, when he's standing and in, 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 um, being examined by Pharisees and Sadducees, what's he do? He makes reference to the resurrection, which the Sadducees deny, but the Pharisees support, and he got them fighting each other, right? So he brings it up because they're like, well, he, Paul's okay because he believes the resurrection. So the Pharisees almost started getting on his side and the Sadducees against them. He was smart. He was clever. He knew what he was doing, right? We need to learn prudence, okay? So we need to be prudent, knowing exactly what to say and what not to say in certain situations, Clever enough to know what to do and what not to do in particular situations. We need to learn prudence. This is another aspect of wisdom. But it says giving prudence to the naive or the simple. The simple. Simpletons. And the fact of the matter is, that's us by nature. That's where we start. We don't start out wise. We don't start out that way. We start out as simpletons. We start out as simple ones, as naive Proverbs 22.15 says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. That's how we start as children, as fools, 
okay? Something we have to understand. We don't just get wise automatically, like magic. It's something that's in there, it's in your heart, and it has to be rooted out and replaced with wisdom. We're fools by nature. See, it says in in verse 4, we have another parallelism here, to give prudence to the simple and to the youth, knowledge and discretion. See, simple and youth are referring to the same group here, okay? The simple and the youth. We start out as simpletons, as fools, as when we're in our youth, right? We need to gain prudence, and we need to gain knowledge and discretion, which is also there in, in parallel with uh, prudence. So this, this wisdom is for who? It's for everybody, because everybody starts out as a simple person, as a simpleton, and we need to gain wisdom. We don't have it by nature. <clears throat> See, Paul Washer said this about us as, as youth with regard to wisdom. He says, as young people, we think we know all the answers, right? And that's kind of a typical thing. But he also said, we think we know all the answers, but we don't even know all the questions. And that's exactly right, exactly what I've been saying, is that you don't understand the complexities of life when you're young. You don't understand. You think, well, it's, it's not that hard. I got it all figured out. You don't even understand what kind of problems there are out there, what kind of questions there are. You certainly don't have all the answers. You don't even know all the questions, right? We're simpletons. We know nothing. We have to gain wisdom. This is what it's for. It says, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. We need to get, gain wisdom, understanding. To, gain, to get wisdom, to give wisdom to simpletons like us, that's why it's here. We need to be instructed. We need to be trained. Otherwise, we're not going to be discerning and wise. That's just a fact. If you don't get trained, if you don't get instructed, you'll be a simpleton forever. You'll never get prudence and wisdom without being instructed in them. Okay? We'll be fools forever. In, in Hebrews chapter 5, we have this problem that the author um, writes to his audience. He says, He's giving them some, he's about to embark on some deeper theology about Christ's high priesthood. But he says, you're not ready for it. He says, concerning him we have much to say and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Saying you're not willing to be instructed anymore on deeper things. He says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he's an infant. But solid food is for the mature, listen, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. You see, he's saying the problem with his audience is that he's saying, I would, let, I would love to get deeper with you here, but you all are unwilling to go deeper. You're unwilling to learn more. You become dull of hearing. By this time, you ought to be mature and be teaching others. But now you're like little babies. You're still on the milk, and you like being on the milk. You know? There's something really wrong with that when after a long period of time, the people still are simple. They're still foolish and untrained by the word of God. That, there's a problem with that. It's like a kid who is five years old. They learn their kindergarten curriculum. They learn their ABCs. But then they're six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 20, 25, and they still haven't moved beyond the kindergarten curriculum, right? They still just learn their ABCs and that's it. They haven't moved on, haven't built on that. They've just over and over again learned their ABCs. And that's the problem that the author was dealing with with the, with the Hebrews is that y'all just are staying on the milk. Instead of growing up and becoming a, a mature adult who can teach, now you're just staying on the ABCs. You're not trained through practice to discern good and evil. 
There's something wrong when you should be graduated from college, but you're still in kindergarten. And that's, that's the issue that the author was dealing with in Hebrews. And that's what we're supposed to not be like in the book of Proverbs. We're not supposed to be simple forever. We start out that way. We're supposed to grow. It's only natural that a baby starts off with milk, but it's unnatural that he stays on milk for his entire life, right? He needs to grow up and get on the solid food, and that's what he's saying. So for the simple, we have to actually gain prudence, gain knowledge, discretion, right? We've got to be trained, as the author of Hebrews says, to have our senses trained to discern good and evil. And that's what the Proverbs teach us as well, to learn that wisdom. So look at verse five. So we've discussed in verse four that this, this book, this wisdom is for the simple, it's for the youth. But you know who else it's for? Verse five, a wise man will hear and increase in learning and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. So it's not just for the simple, it's also for those who are considered wise. It's for those who have, have been being trained by God's word and have attained to some level of wisdom. It's never the case that the person who's wise can say, well, I'm wise enough. In fact, if somebody says that, that's really good evidence that they're not wise. They're actually foolish. Somebody who thinks I'm wise is actually foolish. That's the, the nature of it. Somebody who's wise says, yes, I have, always have more to learn from God's word. I don't have all the answers, and I don't have all the questions either. A wise person, interestingly enough, is going to think himself pretty simple, pretty, pretty foolish, and always be digging and looking for more. See, it says, a wise man will hear and increase in learning. So you cannot, maybe you're not a simpleton anymore. Maybe you have been trained for quite a while by the word of God, but it's still for you. It's for the wise man who will increase in learning. And a man of understanding, maybe that's a description of you, but you'll acquire wise counsel as well. You haven't mastered it and you will not master it. You need to keep on forever depending upon God and learning from his word. You have to increase in learning. I quoted before the famous passage from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, but listen to what comes after. So it's, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. But the next verse is really important too. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Do not be wise in your own eyes is a really, really, really important lesson to learn. Something that the Apostle Paul um, essentially quotes in Romans 12, never be wise in your own eyes, he says there. Do not be wise in your own eyes is um, a lesson we have to learn. Humility, that we don't have wisdom in and of ourselves and we're not to consider ourselves to be, um, to be ones that, to draw wisdom out of ourselves. We draw wisdom from God. We don't, we don't have wisdom in ourselves. We have foolishness in ourselves. Wisdom comes from God. We have to keep on digging for it. So you have to trust in the Lord instead. It says, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Trust in the Lord. Instead, lean on his word. You have to have a continual dependence upon God, in other words, for everything, for every aspect of life, every situation. Even if you've been walking with the Lord for many years and are a man of understanding and a wise man, you still need to not be wise in your own eyes. You still have a lot to learn. You don't, you don't know how to handle all of life's situations, do you? You don't have all the answers, right? You know that you don't. So we have to keep on increasing and learning. We don't understand everything in God's word yet, do we? No. We always have more to learn. You have to increase in wisdom, don't you? Of course. So it's to the simple and it's to the wise, which is everybody. It's to us all. We all need to gain more wisdom, even if we've already attained some measure of it already. In verse 6, 
to understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. To understand a proverb and a figure. A proverb, as we discussed in the beginning, a general principle of wisdom for life, how to apply God's law in, in various areas of your life. That's a lot of what the Proverbs deal with, right? A proverbs and a saying. Sometimes you have sayings. Some people have related this to, to parables. And oftentimes you get that from Jesus. He would teach you a parable, but it has some one basic principle for what you're to do with that, right? Sometimes it's like the, um, the parable of the unforgiving servant, right? Where he's forgiven a massive amount of debt, but then turns around and strangles the guy who owes him quite a little. The lesson is, that's an ugly, hypocritical thing to be an unforgiving person when you've been forgiven so much from God. So we can learn that life principle from, from that parable, a really strong um, parable there to give us some wisdom on how to uh, unforgiveness. So a proverb and a saying, like a, like a parable, a, um, the riddles of the wise, right? the words of the wise and their riddles. Interesting. That would be a, a, sometimes I think it's rendered dark sayings. These are sayings that are harder to understand. We have to understand words of wisdom. And hey, it's not just on the surface that you can just pick it up real easily and understand it. You have to, it's like, I don't understand what that means. You have to dig in and figure out what it means, right? These, these riddles, these things that are difficult to understand, there's something you have to work to understand. They don't just come to you super easily. You need to dig deep to figure out the wisdom that's being taught in certain passages. I know you've experienced that. It's like, what in the world does this mean? I don't understand it. That's why you have to work for it. Many things in Scripture can be difficult to understand, which means you have to dig for them. Getting wisdom, therefore, is not always easy to obtain. It's not easy. It's not just, well, I guess I'll get wise, and I'll just read through this, and I got it down. It's that easy, right? It's something you're going to be working at, as we've discussed, for the rest of your life. You're going to be digging for it. We are supposed to have an attitude towards wisdom that it's so valuable that you'll search it out at all costs, basically. Proverbs 2, 1 to 5 says, My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments with you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Doesn't sound like you're just scraping it off the surface, does it? You're crying out for it, begging for it, and searching for it like hidden treasures, right? Something you have to dig for. If you knew that there was a treasure chest full of gold in your backyard, I know that you wouldn't waste any time to go and dig that thing up, find it, get it out of there so you can have it. And we're supposed to have that sort of desire for, for wisdom, to dig for it like silver and for hidden treasure, right? Proverbs tells us we have to search for wisdom diligently. We have to seek it out. Proverbs uh, 4, 7 and 8 says, the beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. It's almost humorous, kind of funny. It's so basic. If you want to get wisdom, you know what you need to do? You need to go get wisdom. That's a lesson that I fear we maybe haven't learned. That's something that I confessed in the beginning, that that's what I've really been learning is that it doesn't just come to you. If you want to get it, go get it. Right? The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. And with all you're acquiring, get understanding. Prize her, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. See how important it is? We have to go get it. In other words, you need to know how to, you need to, know how to go get it. You need to go and, and seek it. Proverbs 3, 13 to 15. 
How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding, for her profit is better than the profit of silver and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels. And listen to this. And nothing you desire compares with her. That's high. It's a high view of wisdom, one that I fear we typically don't have. She is far more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. We're supposed to seek out, out wisdom even more than precious stones and gold and silver and money and things like that. Nothing you desire compared with her. We have to value wisdom above all else. So before we move on, sum up, what have we learned so far in verses one through six? Well, we're simpletons by nature. That's an important lesson to learn. We're simpletons. We need wisdom. Even if we've attained a level of wisdom, we still need more wisdom, right? The wise need to increase in learning. And without wisdom... You'll not know how to live your life successfully in the eyes of God. You won't know how to live in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. You'll constantly be doing things that you'll end up regretting, right? You'll not be able to live a life that's blessed by God without wisdom. You will encounter all sorts of sinful and negative things due to your own foolishness if you don't get wisdom. Some, some of the warnings in Proverbs, many of those that teach us that. You'll not be able to discern good and evil, and will often be ensnared in some sort of sin because of your lack of wisdom. And wisdom from God is more valuable than gold, silver, and precious jewels. We need it. God tells us to go get it. And without it, we're doomed to a life of foolishness. That's what we have here in the intro. And as I'm sure you all are pretty familiar with the book of Proverbs, something you get throughout. Uh, so this intro really does um, give us an idea of what we're going to get in the rest of the book. So that's what we've learned so far and verses one through six. Then you have verse seven, which is really probably the, you know, the most famous verse of the Proverbs. Um, really important. It's gonna sum up so much of what we've already discussed and what you'll gain from, from Proverbs. It's the most basic thing that you need to know in order to get wisdom is verse seven. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So we have here in this verse... Um, a contrasting thing here. We have those who, um, the wise man and the foolish man. We have contrasted here. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. What's the difference between the wise man and the foolish man? And ultimately it comes down to this. Teachability. Are you teachable? Are you listening to the Lord with reverence to him? Are you a fool who despises wisdom and instruction? Are you going to be taught by God, instructed in the things we saw before, in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, equity, gaining prudence, gaining knowledge and discretion, or are you going to be one who's a fool who despises that, who despises the fear of the Lord? Fools reject instruction. Why? Because they're wise in their own eyes. We looked at that verse before. Whoever's wise in his own eyes is, is in a really sorry state because those who, who think that they are wise but are actually fools, have really no hope of becoming wise because they already think that they are. They don't see their need for wisdom. So I don't need instruction. They despise wisdom and instruction. I already got it all down, right? Don't, no, no need for me to be corrected because I don't need to be corrected. I'm already wise. See, being wise in your own eyes is detrimental to actually being wise. It's one of those, it's a very ironic twist there is that if you want to be wise, you have to realize you're a fool. If you think that you are wise, you're not going to be wise. See, God determines what wisdom is. And we don't have it in ourselves by nature. We have foolishness in ourselves by nature. 
we have to go acquire, as we've seen. So where do we acquire wisdom? From God's word. So we can't despise wisdom and instruction from him. Instead, we have to go to him, which is what the verse says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the starting place. The fear of the Lord is the starting place to gain wisdom. If you want to get wisdom, you want to get knowledge, you have to fear the Lord. That raises the question, what's that mean? What's it mean to fear the Lord, right? It's a, ver- it's, a, it's a phrase that you see throughout Scripture when you see a number of times in Proverbs, 14 times, something like that, to look it up. But a number of times in the Proverbs, the fear of the Lord, you see it many places. What does it mean? What's it mean to fear the Lord? And this is one question that people raise, and it can be cause confusion for people. But we have to understand something. And this, this lesson here, I'm going to give you a little lesson on words, which is going to sound kind of boring, but actually it will serve you well if you understand it. And the meaning of words is that words, most words have more than one definition. You have to know that. Most words have more than one definition. They have a range of meaning. Sometimes it's called a semantic range or a semantic domain. They have a range of meaning. So, for example, when you think of the word bank, English word bank, what comes to your mind? What comes to your mind? Throw out something. What comes to your mind? Financial institution. Okay, financial institution. What else? River bank. bank. Those are pretty different things, aren't they? Same word. What else? Making an airplane. Making an airplane, right? Also quite different. What else? Okay, river bank. Mm-hmm. Bank on that, yeah. Good one. It can be just where it's cut. You've got a bank that goes straight up more kind of like a cliff. Yeah, that's true. It's different. Basketball shot. Yeah, banking to basketball. Think think that's all the same word. That's what I was thinking of. (laughs) That's all the same word, but they have radically different meanings. So you look up bank in the dictionary, you're gonna find all of these things, and probably more we didn't think of, right? That's true of most words. And it's important that you recognize that because the context in which a word is used is going to tell you what the word means, right? So when you think, I just deposited my my check in the bank, you know that that doesn't mean a river bank, hopefully, right? (laughs) So you understand by context uh, which bank they're using, which type of bank they're referring to. So the same thing goes with fear in this verse, the fear (laughs) of the Lord. Now, there there are two ways that we want to look at how that word is used. The fear of the Lord. Let me read to you a passage that uses um, two similar words. And notice how by the context, you have to understand them differently. This is Exodus 20, verse 20. Listen. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. There's the first word, afraid. Do not be afraid. For God has come in order to test you. In order that the fear of him may remain with you so that you may not sin. So do not be afraid. God has come so that you may fear him. Wait a second. That sounds like a contradiction, unless you understand that words have multiple meanings. He's using the term in in two different ways in in one one verse there. Do not be afraid. God has come here so he can test you that you may fear him. Okay? So the first use there, afraid, means don't be terrified. Don't be in a state of, of shaking, right? But the second word, second usage, in order that the fear of him, the fear of the Lord, may remain with you so that you may not sin. What? What's that mean? 
to have a profound reverence for God, an honor for him, a loyalty, a piety, a respect, one that um, you're going to depend upon him, look to him, honor him. So that it says, so that you may not sin, right? But the first, says, first part says, don't be afraid, fear the Lord, basically what it's saying. So it's being used in two different ways. And the word fear of the Lord is used in a reverence sense many, many times in the Bible, many times. You know, and Psalm 19, 9 says, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. It's the same sense there. Um, Proverbs 2, 5 says, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God, very similar to Proverbs 1, 7. Um, Proverbs 19, 23, the fear of the Lord leads to life so that one may sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. Um, Proverbs 23, 17, do not let your hearts envy sinners, but live in the fear of the Lord always, right? You want to follow the Lord and not yourself, right? You want to reverence him. And if you reverence him, you're going to be instructed by him, right? If you respect him, you want to learn what he has to say to you. Now, the word fear, the other sense of the word fear, being as, as in being afraid, being terrified, um, is not being used here in Proverbs 1, 7. Although it is used in, in Scripture, like in Exodus 20, verse 20, do not be afraid. Um, it's used in the New Testament as well, um, with the, uh, the Greek um, parallel word from, this, from the Hebrew here. Uh, we're even told, like in 1 John four eighteen, there is no fear in love. Well, not in the sense of fearing the Lord as in Proverbs 1, 7, because of course there is that, but not in the other sense of being terrified. Perfect love casts out fear, it says, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Right? You have to, you have to understand fear in a different sense there. Same with Romans eight fifteen, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry, Abba, Father. So he's saying, don't fear the Lord, Fear the Lord, using it in two different senses. So we don't, we don't fear the condemnation of God in the sense that we're, well, I'm going to go to hell because we know that Jesus has accomplished justification for us. But we do fear the Lord in the sense that we have a profound reverence for him. We do not treat him as nothing, right? We, have a, a, we look at him with more reverence than, than anything else is what we're supposed to. We're supposed to listen to everything that he says and treat him with the utmost respect beyond anything else that we, have, that we respect in the world. God must be above it all. So the fear of the Lord here is the beginning of knowledge, is that you have to have a profound respect for him. And what's that going to look like, though, in your life here as, as we conclude? What's it going to look like? It's going to mean you're going to love his word, and you're going to dig into it as much as possible, just like those passages says. Seek it out, right? We are to fear the Lord in that sense, right? We are to dig for wisdom, seek it out. I want to know what this God who I respect and reverence and worship and adore um, profoundly, I want to gain the things that he has given to us. He has given us the whole Bible and the book of Proverbs here so that we can learn, so it says to gain instruction, wisdom, and knowledge. And it's uh, disrespectful for him, to him if we just lay it aside and don't actually take what he says. So to respect him and to reverence him is to actually listen. If you start with that, with that attitude towards God, that's the starting point of gaining knowledge, it says. Gaining wisdom, you have to start there. But if you want to be a fool, 
just despise that wisdom and instruction. Set it aside, don't regard it as disrespectful to God, as irreverent to God when we set aside the wisdom he has given to us so we can learn how to please him. What we're really, what we're really saying is, I don't really care to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. So we want to fear the Lord instead. Now in closing, a couple things. So we, so we say, what, what's two practical steps for gaining wisdom? One is what I just said, to diligently be digging for it in God's word, as we're instructed, as we saw earlier. Obvious by now, but something we need to do. Secondly, and you cannot forget this, is what James tells us to do, which is to pray for it. James 1, 5 through 8 says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. I'll stop there real quick. That's a good, that's a real comfort. If, if any of you lacks wisdom, right, it should be all of us raising our hands, let us ask God, who gives to all generously and without reproach. He doesn't say, what's wrong with you? You should be wise on your own. He says, I'll give it to you, generously, freely. And it, he says, and he'll give it to you when you ask him. Now, that's in conjunction with, with you seeking it. They go together, right? You do what God's called you to do, and you pray that he'll help you do it. But then it says this, it qualifies it. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he'll receive anything from the Lord being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. That statement is qualified. He'll give it to you. Just believe his promise that he'll give it to you. Seek it out. God will give me wisdom. It may not happen overnight. It will not happen overnight. You're going to gain it incrementally over time. You have to keep on trusting the Lord. You're not going to say, well, I guess I'll just start being wise. I'm going to read Proverbs and pray for it, and done. I'm wise now. This is a thing you have to remember. This is a journey that you've got to embark on really for the rest of your life. Um, and it's important that we remember that. So we need, to, we need to add to our daily prayers to ask for wisdom because we do lack it, don't we? We are either the naive simpleton who has learned very little and needs to learn more, or we maybe we are a wise man who, what, needs to increase in learning. So either way, we need to learn. So again, the takeaway for this week is Seek for wisdom. You need it. Seeking God's word and pray for it and believe God that he'll give it to you. So next week, what we're going to do is I have one more week, I believe. This is the plan. And the Proverbs, we're going to talk about one, um, one principle that's taught repeatedly over, the, over and over in the Proverbs that's very necessary for us to gain wisdom, and that is teachability. We talked about it a bit today. I want to get more into the, into the weeds and the, into the details of how the Proverbs repeatedly says you need to be able to receive correction, instruction, and things of that nature. So that's what we'll cover um, next Lord's Day. All right, um, I think we're out of time, so let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do pray that you'll grant us wisdom, help us to trust you and to obey you, help us to, to be wise, give us wisdom from your word, help us to seek it. We thank you that you've given it to us. We pray that you'll help us in our lives. We pray that you'll bless our worship service this morning. They'll be pleasing to you. We ask this for Christ's sake. Amen.